so, Heavenly Father, we pray that you would speak to us now as you did to those that were gathered around your Son. Holy Spirit, would you show us that true bread that alone will satisfy the hunger and thirst of our souls. We pray this for your name and for your glory. Amen. So this morning, I want to make uh, two grocery trips with you. Are you ready? I want you to imagine with me two trips to the grocery store. The first one uh, is going to be here in North Texas. Uh, I don't know what your favorite grocery store is, but uh, I've got kind of a, compete, a competition between two. I love to go to a place like Central Market or Whole Foods, so that's what this trip is. Okay, you ready? It's like the Disneyland for grocery stores. Come on. You walk in, there, there are multiple bars inside of this store. There are, there, there's a cheese bar. There's a sushi bar. There's a, wine, there's a wine bar in the grocery store. You know what I'm talking about? If you guys haven't been there, it's in Highland Village. You need to go there. It's incredible. I want you to imagine a Christian that wakes up in the morning and gets in the car and drives to that Whole Foods or that Central Market, whatever you could think of as the top grocery store you could possibly go to in North Texas. They drive their car, they get out of their car, they walk into that store, and they begin to buy food for their friends and family for the next week or more. They plan multiple, several course meals, um, maybe a party or two, and they walk to the checkout line. You, you finally make your way. I actually have a photo or two, maybe. Uh, I get to my favorite section. This, that's the produce. We have to buy some of that because Jen says we have to buy some of that. But then you make your way to the butcher shop at one of these places. And this is, if you like to barbecue, this is heavenly. Uh, Acts chapter 10. It's biblical too. Acts chapter 10. So... Um, I want you to imagine that the person who, go back one slide and hold there for just a second. The person who made their way through this store, they sometimes call it not Whole Foods, but Whole Paycheck. This was a significant sum of money. Uh, they check out and it's a significant sum. They take their groceries home. And I want you to imagine that this Christian person who went to that grocery store that day, rolled out of bed that morning, and they prayed, Father, give us this day our daily bread. That's our first trip. Here's our second trip. A West African wakes up and makes their way to the market. Now, they're not going to get in a car, most of them, to make their way to a market. Some, sure, but most, no. They walk down to the corner uh, marketplace that's in their section of this capital city, and there's an abundance of produce. Make no mistake about it. Uh, you check out this next photo. Some of the produce in some of these markets would rival any of the best grocers that we know here in North Texas. Now, this particular shopper is making their way through, these markets are often huge, depending upon the size of the city, but they're not planning to buy food for seven days or 14 days. This is not Costco. They're planning to buy enough food, maybe, maybe a bag of rice, maybe a few vegetables for that day, maybe the next. And I want you to imagine that this Christian person who went shopping that day rolled out of their bed or off their mat and got on their knees and prayed, Father, give us this day our daily bread. So the North Texan at Whole Foods or the West African in the daily market, these are children of God who both pray this universal prayer of dependence. What does this tell us? It tells us that Jesus has something to teach each and every one of us a new way of relating to this material world. 
When Jesus taught us how to pray for our daily bread, he gave one prayer for every child of God, regardless of their country, regardless of their personal wealth. This means he has something to teach every single person. This is in response to the disciples. We know at least one that was kind of pushed to the front. You ask him. No, no, you ask him. Okay, Lord, would you teach us to pray? And he began to expound this pattern for prayer that we've been looking at over the last few weeks. And he teaches us that prayer begins with Father. That's that's what Jesus says to God. And he says, I want you to know God as Father. And I want you to pray, Father, may your name be kept holy in our lives. May your kingdom come, come in here and out there. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we get to this fourth request. There's this shift We've, over these last three sort of phrases, we've been looking at kind of cosmic, universal, all-encompassing, God's care over all the world, and we shift from this kind of cosmic view of God's care over the universe to praying for our needs today, from his kingdom down to Campbell's soup, from his kingdom down to car payments and car repairs, from his kingdom down to the career changes that are right in front of some of us. We go from this recognition of God's cosmic care over the whole universe to his fatherly care over my and your personal needs. This is a sign of our vulnerability. Give us this day our daily bread. What does it mean to pray this prayer in the way that Jesus taught us? We're going to look at three things. We're going to try to define what he meant by daily bread. We're going to look at the direction, the command of Jesus that that is a command to be dependent. And then I want to share a few things about the challenges that are here. So uh, a definition, and and just uh, full disclosure, I'm going to offer a simple definition, and then by the end of our time, I think our understanding of this idea of daily bread is going to expand and grow. So here's the definition. Really, we're looking at the essentials for daily life. That's what we're looking at. So It means the necessities of life, like food, like water. You heard in the Old Testament and New Testament reading, uh, the the essentials that we need, food, water, shelter, it includes those basic things. If you wake up in the poppy household, it includes coffee in the morning. It includes here in our suburban life, I think it includes for most households some sort of means of transportation. It likely includes a car if you live out this way for, per household. It, it probably likely at least per household includes some form of communication, some type of phone. Do they still make flip phones? It might be a flip phone. It might be a, not an iPhone, whatever digit we're up to now, but some mode of communication. They, these are the necessities of life, just basics to, to, to go at a normal routine. If you've got a job, if you've got school, These are kind of the basics, and it includes our literal bread, but it also includes whatever it is that you and I need for daily life. And so here's the question. How are we to relate to those things that we need? How are we to relate to those basic necessities of life? Well, here's what Jesus says. I I want you to just ask the Father for them. I just want you to ask the Father for them. And so there's this direction. Here's, Here's the second point. There's a direction of daily dependence. Jesus says, in answer, how are we supposed to relate to those, those things that we need? The answer is, ask God your Father for it. Every single day, ask him for it. 
Ask him for that which you need. Go to the Father. This is what Jesus says. Go to the Father and say, Father, would you give me the things that I and we need today? There's so much good news in this little phrase, give us this day our daily bread. God not only cares about the cosmic concerns of the world, but he cares about your personal needs. He's a father to his children. That's amazing news. That's like life-changing, paradigm-shifting news. And this is really the core message that I wanted to share with you this morning. We are dependent, vulnerable children who have an all-power, all-powerful, caring father who can meet the needs that we have. And all we have to do is ask. Would you pray with me? That would be the shortest sermon ever. Like if some of you, I know when I first showed up eight years ago, some of you would time me, literally. It was like, how's he doing today? That would have been the shortest sermon. Yep, a few of you. I've gotten a little bit better. It took eight years, but I've gotten a little bit better at honing it. I'm not, it's, we're not done. And the reason we're not done is if it was that simple, if it were that simple, we would all be living from this place of dependent trust every day and we'd be doing great. We could just sort of close up shop and go home today and just rejoice. But the, the reality is it's not that simple for us. There are challenges that we have in our hearts to asking to requesting, to being vulnerable, to trusting. And it's like Jesus knows that about us. And so he says, not only is this the pattern for prayer, but after this very famous pattern for prayer ends in Luke 4, Luke 4 that's not what we read today, but in Luke, the gospel that we've been reading this, this pattern for prayer, he comes back around to it and he ends up saying, now listen, I want you to keep on asking. I want you to keep on seeking. It's like Jesus knows there are these barriers, these challenges to you and I living lives of daily dependence and trust in him. It's like he knows that about us. Well, I, I want to name a few of those challenges in just the few brief moments I have. I want to name a few of those challenges and see how we might overcome those challenges. So what are the challenges present to asking, to requesting? Here's the first one. So instead of asking, we get anxious. Oftentimes when we don't feel like we have enough or there's this sense of scarcity, our default is anxiety. And I want you to know this is not like an American problem. This is a human problem. This is a problem in every age, in every culture that we would get nervous. We would get anxious about our needs. And because this is a human problem, this is why we see Jesus teaching his disciples. This was part of their core curriculum, you might say. He is regularly teaching them to trust in his fatherly care over their, their, their lives, their necessities in their life. So he would, sometimes it was object lesson. You see the lilies of the field, guys? They don't toil or spin, and yet your heavenly father cares for each of them. Do you see the birds of the air? He was constantly trying to train them to this place. What this is doing is it's helping them to see Instead of being anxious, would you ask your father, who is an all-powerful, caring creator? You see, the safeguard to, to feeling secure in this world is not having more, that lie of having more. It's not because you need more and then you'll, you'll really not be anxious. That actually won't do it. You'll, you'll never have enough in this world 
to be at a place that you won't experience anxiety. You know what is the safeguard against an anxious soul? It's learning to trust in a caring father. I have a friend of mine who's also a pastor, but he has four kids. Two of them are in college. Two are at home. There's three drivers at home, and he was sharing with me this last week. I got two kids in college. He's the primary breadwinner in his home. He makes, I don't know, maybe 65 grand a year in a North Texas suburb. And there's three check engine lights and they own three cars. And he's like, man, this is, this is not a pleasant spot that we're in. College bills, check engine lights. Now, instead of, instead of getting anxious, he also has the opportunity to ask. We can ask God for our daily needs. We also have brothers and sisters. I'm so thankful he shared that with me. I can pray with him. He's not alone. It's give us this day our daily bread, our daily needs. And so I can join him in praying for those things. And this direction of daily, this is a really unique word. Uh, did you know, yes, the word daily is used in other places in the New Testament, like I was reminded before the service, take up your cross daily, for example. However, this particular term, daily bread, is, is one of the words that's used only one time in the entire New Testament. It's only used in this place. Daily. We're, we're in the Christian faith, you got to know, we're not against planning. Like, you should plan. We're not against saving. You should save. In fact, we're not against effort. I think it was Ortberg who once said, we're not against effort, we're against earning. There's a real difference between the two. But this call, this direction to daily dependence, daily provision is inviting us to get out of this pattern. You know, this is what happens when we get anxious is we just start to, we dig a rut in our hearts and minds and we can't get out of that rut. We literally get stuck in this place of fear of having what we need. And Jesus says, I want you to trust daily for the provision that I give. I can remember back in the day when I was walking with, in my faith, from a place of childlike trust. I had to go back pretty far to find an example in my own life where I was really walking in a place of deep trust. I had graduated from high school and had this sense that God had called me to be a pastor at a pretty young age, and that meant I had to go to school, and that meant um, somebody had to pay for school. And I remember it was this simple in my mind because I was, I was a child. I was 17. It was this simple. God's called me to do this, so he's going to provide what I need. So God, would you give me what I need to go to school? So I enrolled in school um, through a variety of things. I, I was given a job at the church next door to the campus. I had a family that was generous enough to let me buy a car on the cheap. It was a pretty bad car, but it worked. Um, I lived at home. There were a number of things that God helped me to do uh, with the strength and the mind that he had given me to do. But at the end of the day, I, I really just had to say, God, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this semester, my very first semester. And so would you provide that which I need? And, and he did. Through, through those things I just mentioned, he did. And um, at the end of that first year of school, so I, just, I was taking it one semester at a time, and I, I, I really mean it. I wish you could have met 18-year-old me. It was as simple as God's going to take care of this. It like wasn't complicated. And at the end of that first year, went into my second year, 
and um, was able to pay for that third semester. And at the near the end of that third semester, I got a kind of monument moment. Like this became a, a foundational moment in my faith formation as a young man. Because right in the middle of that third semester, I not only had paid for the bill that was due, I, correction of terms, God had provided that which I needed. We had met the expenses. I got a reimbursement check from the institution I was attending because I had overpaid. That's the check. That's actually the check. I've told you about this, but here's proof of it. Those of you who haven't seen it, yes, my middle name is Aulis. You can call me that if you want. One dollar and zero zero cents that I had overpaid for my first year of college. This was a very meaningful moment for me. Um, You've called me, I knew that I didn't only need to go to undergrad, but in order to become a pastor in our day and age, it meant more training than that. God, you're gonna have to provide the way, and he provided the way, and there's your first reimbursement check. And listen, that's not $10,000, that's $1, that's manna. That's one semester at a time. That's this daily sort of step-by-step, God, you're a light into my path, one step at a time. This became a foundational moment for me. And it was a good antidote to my self-reliance and my anxiety. But I started to get a little bit older. And I didn't necessarily mature as I got older. Because I ended up getting married, and then we ended up having kids. And it was like the more dependence that I had, like from a tax perspective, the less dependent upon God I was becoming. The more I began to think, I've got to figure this out on my own. Isn't that weird? Like, what a foundation. How could I forget that moment ever? I got a check to prove it. And now I'm accountable to you guys because I've showed it to you. God's been faithful. I look back, God's been faithful. God's provided everything and more than I needed, than we needed. But as I've grown older, I too can get stuck in this pattern of getting anxious instead of asking. And what I know that God's asking of me is, would you come to me like a child? And would you ask? Second challenge. Instead of asking, we get arrogant. Oftentimes when we look back in our lives or we look at our present circumstance, we see maybe an abundance or a sufficient amount of resources, and we can get mixed up in understanding where this has come from. Where where did this provision come from? This can get so bad that we can actually begin to think that we did it on our own, like I worked my way through school. I think I said that in an interview one time, and wow, that is not true. I mean... Yes, I put effort forth, but God provided, God provided the every single thing I needed. I worked my blank off to go to school. Oh yeah, well, who gave you your blank? <laughs> Instead of asking, we can get arrogant. And one of the reasons this happens is it, it's kind of backwards. Like on a human level, on a physiological level, when we're really, really young, we are extremely dependent. And as we grow older, we become less dependent. So just just for the sake of an example, like when you were two, when I was two, we couldn't tie our shoe. Like you needed help to do that, right? At two, you needed help to do that. It's amazing how you forget. Um, my kids couldn't tie their shoes at two. They couldn't get dressed. They couldn't brush their teeth. They were extremely dependent, and so were you. So as you develop physiologically and emotionally, you become less dependent. Did you know it works the opposite way 
in the Christian faith. That the more and more mature you become, the more dependent you know that you are. The more like a child you know that you are. The more the posture of your whole life is, I'm a receiver. Everything I have, everything that he's done in my, it's all him, it's all grace, it's all God's provision. I have no idea sometimes when I look at my own life at how am I going to do that next task or how am I going to achieve this? And as we grow older, we're meant to grow up in our faith, which would mean that we would be more childlike in God's care over our lives. So one of the challenges that we face is anxiety. The other challenge is, is arrogance. And we come to this point in our liturgy every week where we pray this prayer this whole prayer and this one section give us this day our daily bread. Now, that's at a very precise point in our time together. We pray that prayer just before we come to receive at the table. And when we come to receive at the table, we hold out our hands like little children and we receive true bread and true wine that truly satisfies it's a way of embodying that which we believe. It's a way of being formed. We're children. We're receivers. God's the provider. He's our father. So instead of anxiety, instead of arrogance, we, we keep on asking the father. And then the third challenge, and this is the last one. Instead of asking for our needs, we get focused on our wants. Um, I get to the place where I'm no longer even thinking about the basic necessities in my life, but I've moved past that and I'm now in a whole nother category of sort of demanding that I get what I want. Sometimes it's helpful to use cult, you know, colloquialisms. This is FOMO. You know FOMO, we've talked about it. The FOMO and the FLOMO is high. The fear of missing out, if you don't know what that is, the fear of missing out, you know, I, 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 uh, it's everywhere. And, and we're, we, are, we are creaturely creatures. And so when we see things that we like with our eyes, this is what happened in the garden. She saw that it was pleasing to the eye, that it was, it was appealing. This is what our, the world does. And we see these appealing things and we think, gosh, I think I might need, to ha I might need that. So here's a contentment quiz as we end. This is a little test. A few questions. Are you finding joy today in God's provision in your life? Or are you constantly fretting about tomorrow? That's question one. Jesus taught his disciples to live one day at a time. Give us this day our daily bread. We don't pray God, give us someday an amazing 401k. That's not, that's not the fourth request. Again, we're not opposed to planning. We're not opposed to saving. But am I trusting God for my daily needs one day at a time? God actually went to extreme measures to teach his children this. We read about it in Exodus 16, this gift of bread. This was a daily gift. In fact, it's just fascinating they couldn't gather more than they needed for that day. And if they did gather more than they needed for that day, it would rot, it would spoil. Are you finding joy 
in God's provision today, or are you anxious for tomorrow? This is question two, but it really is the same question. Can you live on what God's providing for today? Are you always wanting more? Americans have been described as a people who don't know what they want, but are willing to go through hell to get it. And it's true, contentment is hard to come by in our culture. Our, our whole economy is fueled by discontent. I, um, our garbage disposal broke a few weeks ago. And uh, I thought, okay, well, we've lived in the house six years. Everything is sort of situated to fit that model of garbage disposal. I'm going to go to Home Depot. It's like 9 p.m. This happens for us on Saturday evenings. This is when this would happen to me. It's on a Saturday night. Um, I make my way to Home Depot and I go to the garbage disposal section, and I find out that the model I have is like the crappiest little garbage disposal model money can buy. Maybe that's why it says on the thing, five to six years. Yep, five to six years. I need a spreadsheet like this big to compare all the different models of garbage disposals that are available to me at Home Depot. And I find out that if I'll spend a hundred more dollars, it'll be 20% 20% quieter. And if I spend $100 more, it'll be 40% quieter. And by the time I come home, Jen says, did you find what you needed? Oh, yes. <laughs> and I installed like triple the garbage disposal that we actually needed in our home. But it'll last 10 years, I bet. It's pretty awesome. And it's, co- it's colored. It was, it was maroon. Nobody ever sees it, but they made it maroon. Uh, this... This struggle of being content is not just our own culture's problem. It's a human problem. Did you hear what they said in Exodus 16? Uh, We wish we were slaves again. What a crazy thing to say. But when, when your heart does that to somebody in Scripture, it's like a really great moment to be like, oh, hang on, hang on. I think this might be what we all do. Is we forget God's provision We forget his power to rain down manna. Not only do they want to be slaves again, but they actually start to grumble. All we have is this heavenly bread raining down from heaven. Gosh, isn't that crazy? And the last contentment question that uh, might hit close to home is, are you sharing God's generous provision with others? The plurality of this prayer is significant. God, give us this day our daily bread. If we have an extra loaf, we're not called to just simply sock it away, but to share it, to multiply it. And uh, food scarcity, tremendous hunger problems around the world, you probably know of those statistics. God's people are the kind of people who who realize that everything we have has been a gift from God above, and we didn't do anything to receive it. In fact, in our poverty, he came and found us, and he over and abundantly blessed us. And the the test for that as to whether or not this has become true in my life is, is my pocketbook, my bank account open to share with those in need around me. So if you want to learn to pray like Jesus prayed and lived, he says, I want you to learn to pray like this. Father, would you give me today, us today, our daily bread? Move from anxiety and arrogance to asking. Move from focusing on your wants to saying, God, would you meet my needs? 
And ultimately, our deepest need, this is so beautiful in John 6, what Father David read from John chapter 6, our deepest need is a bread and and a drink that is from heaven. That's not something that you and I can go and buy at Home Depot or store up enough money to really be satisfied. It's a gift, and it's received by grace through faith. And it points to Jesus. It's him. He's the true bread that satisfies. It's it's interesting in the Latin translation of this single word, give us the super, super essential, the bread that truly satisfies. So what an incredible offer to you and to me to come and to receive, to receive from the Lord's hand a bread and drink that leaves us totally satisfied and content until you know him as your personal Lord, as your personal Savior, not only as the, God, the cosmic creator, you won't experience contentment. You have no antidote for your anxiety. He is our daily bread. That's what this prayer is all about. Let's pray together. And so, Lord, we want to grow as your children. Would you teach us to trust in you? Uh, you said, Lord, to your disciples that day that, you would not withhold good gifts from your children. And so would you give those good gifts? Would you pour out in abundance the gift of your Holy Spirit, Lord, on your children to know that we are indeed sons and daughters of yours? We ask this for your name and your renown. In Christ's name, amen.